Hello and welcome to Happy Place. This is the show where we forget about the outside world just for a little while and concentrate on some positive reinforcement. I'm Fern Cotton and today I have the absolute honour of welcoming to your ears the writer and actress Busy Phillips. My drive to keep going is that I do think that there's a certain benefit to wanting to prove people wrong, wanting the revenge part of it, you know, in those darkest moments. That revenge is not sustainable. Busy flew over a few weeks ago before the travel bans began, and such is Busy's energy and drive that you'd have no idea she just stepped off a 15-hour flight and right into the studio. And what a story she has for us. Get ready for that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And now, here's the show. for you oh i was gonna God. send it to you that's why i asked for your address and then i was like oh fuck it i'll just bring it oh, am i opening it now i just feel like i thought you would like these i have a pair so i what are these little things in here they're really cute they've got little rabbits they're, on them yeah they're like hoops with rabbits in them oh and my people, god like freak out when i wear them and i just feel like you and i have very similar we have very similar tastes. Tastes. I adore. <laughs> I just thank to th- you. Oh my god, Busy, just, that's just of adorable. Course. I just wanted to thank you for helping me. With Shut up! Thanks Sam for coming Phil on. And- oh my god. So, but well, we must talk about this. We're recording, yeah. aren't we? So, we've got to talk about this. So, so we we did that very 2020 thing of meeting on Instagram. But by the way, I've met so many friends on line. I'm happy. Some great to do friends. It. Yeah, great friends. And I, I, you know, was. Sort of stalking you from afar going god I love all her clothes and I obviously knew what you you know followed your acting career from a long time ago but just loved how you were very honest and and I've just connected with that and then we then we were DMing and so your daughter uh-huh. is a huge fan of yes. Dan and Phil huge the YouTubers huge Huge, and you huge. said you wanted to come to the UK and could I help initiate some sort of contact? Mm-hmm. And that has happened. Yeah, I know. When's That's why we're here. When's tomorrow. Ha- at, tomorrow afternoon at 2pm. I mean... My daughter literally just had like a breakdown panic attack because she had put together this little box for them that was really cute. And in it was... I, okay, full disclosure, I've watched some of their videos with her, but I don't like... I don't really know... And I know they're big stars here, you know, and have had their own shows and all that stuff. But you know how it is. Like, there's a cultural divide. I didn't really know who they were. I don't watch YouTube. I'm too old. Right. Exactly. Like, we're definitely not... We're not in the demographic. Right. Um, And so anyway, I guess one of them really likes all black stuff. Right. Okay. And so she had gotten this 
she had made me buy this toothbrush and toothpaste in L.A. I think actually it's like Kendall Jenner's brand, <laughs> but it's it's called Moon in in the states. It's and it's all black, so it's like a, like the black toothbrush and the bristles are black, and then the toothpaste is black charcoal. Yeah. And so she was like really, and all the packaging is black. So she was really excited. And I guess what happened was um, we have a nanny who has been with us for ever, Ileana, and she's incredible. And our lives wouldn't be able to work the way that they do without her. But Ileana mistakenly thought that was, like, for her to bring on the trip to use. And she took it out of the package and just put it in the suitcase, like, in a plastic bag. And so Birdie just unpacked – my daughter's name is Birdie – just unpacked the stuff and was looking for her gift that she has for the guys and saw that. And, like, she just was, like, sobbing. I know. And I was like, you know what? First of all, it's a great story. Secondly (laughs) – Secondly, you haven't used it. It just is not in the packaging. Yeah, fine with it. I know. They won't mind, but I know it's a huge deal. When, like, she's meeting her heroes. I know. My she husband, wants it to be perfect. Did you ever have that when you were a kid? So I really loved Hanson. Do you remember Hanson? Yeah, Mbop. of course. They were my band. I was not very cool. I <laughs> loved Hanson so much. And if I had ever had the opportunity to meet them, I would have freaked out I mean and, and and if I'd bought a present and then it was tampered with I would have been heartbroken I understand Birdie's I feelings around this but it's going to be a very special moment and I'm I know. I'm so happy for her that she's going to get to have that opportunity I know and also it's like I was talking about this with my therapist um but you know for my kid I am like a celebrity right in certainly in the United States and I've been acting since I was 20 and a lot of people know who I am and then because of Instagram and my popularity and you know as a family we decided that we would like our kids would be we would show our kids on Instagram so there's a as Birdie gets older and like she has more ideas and thoughts and feelings and agency about all of that and social media and that's what I always wanted her to I always wanted it to be participatory so that she would feel empowered because I just saw with some of my friends who had older kids that they would, you know, put the lock down and there was like absolutely no, none. And then you would find out that they were doing all this stuff secretly. Yes. So I just like wanted to try to give her this this way to ha- be be a part of it and be a part of my life and career and stuff, but not but have her own say in it. But with that. The caveat being that, like, she has to put up with, like, a lot of weird stuff sometimes. Like, at Disneyland, like, people stopping and asking for pictures or, you know, just when we're checking into the hotel. Like, and so I know it seems, like, sort of wild that I flew to London with her so that she could meet these guys. But this is... If you have to put up with all that stuff as a kid and sharing one of your parents, like, with the world, essentially, or, like, with their fans, at least then, I think, she should have some of the benefits Get the perks. Get Get the the perks perks in. Right? Get the perks in. This is going to be something she will never, ever forget. Well, no. This is, like, wild. I'm already thinking, like, my poor second child will be in therapy when she's 25, and she'll be like, my mother (laughs) took my sister to me. I never met anyone. Now, you're going to have to do this next year with your other child. I know. somewhere even more amazing and fabulous. Well, actually, my husband took cricket to new york this weekend for like 
a fine theater then. trip. Oh, fine. Yeah, they're that's fine. even. Yeah, it's even. That's what I think. It's absolutely even. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm so glad that that you've made that happen and that she's going to have this I special know. trip and you're going to have this whirlwind weekend. Um, I love your Instagram for Thanks. many reasons. As I've said, I I love the honesty and you can just see that you are being you. And I think that is still weirdly rare in social media land. Yeah. And certainly with people in the public eye, it, there is so much that's still concealed and and you've been very honest with how you talk about therapy and and then also just the more fun stuff like I love watching your workouts I'm, I'm so intrigued by the leg lift thing I've never seen that so many leg lifts the leg Burn lift thing so is so lifts. fantastic I've been sort of trying to mimic it at home in my own workouts like what is that what is the angle well what she, is the I leg know. lift she yeah she comes up with the craziest things it's great this trainer I love her yeah. yeah Um. and I and I love that you're willing to share um all aspects of your life the good the bad and the ugly like we all have in life um have you always been that way inclined that you want to be honest with people in your life and 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 just be you and say as it is no I don't think so necessarily I mean yes yes and no yeah yes and no I've always sort of fundamentally been this person and I in high school was you know somewhat of like I was always like like I was very righteous in my beliefs and very loud about it and I grew up in a really conservative place. Arizona is a very conservative state in the States. And um, I feel like I got into like a lot of fights about things like, like even back in the, you know, I'm, I just turned 40, um, you know, in the nineties, like, like gay rights, you know, I was like always screaming at my classmates about that. Actually, this guy came up to me from at my 20 year high school reunion. And he brought up some fight that I guess we had gotten into in government class when I was saying in like 1990 six that marriage like gay marriage should be legal like you should be able to marry whoever you want this kid and I apparently got into some huge fight about it and you know he was like I just wanted to say like I grew up in a really Republican family and I was um you know just a part of that household and uh I'm gay now like I came out when I was in my late it took me till I was in my late 20s to come out but I just I thought about that fight so much over the years. And I was like, oh, really? I didn't, I don't even God, remember it. funny. But, no recall. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it didn't, yeah. even, didn't even occur to me. Yeah. Um, it was a big, it was a seminal moment for, for him. For that guy. Yeah. 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 Wow. Awesome that he like was able to overcome his upbringing and mm. be who he wanted to be. Um, there was one Instagram post that you did recently where uh, I thought it was so refreshing. You said, you know, you, you kind of talked about the fact that you don't really act these days. Or you, don't oh, yeah, want, yeah, yeah. you choose not to. But if you do, the circumstances have to be absolutely perfect. Conditions must be perfect. Conditions must be perfect. <laughs> and it's so refreshing because it is still like the dream or or the perceived dream that, you know, acting is the holy grail and mm-hmm. then it's this wonderful world and then you are... Um, then you can negate, you know, all bad stuff in life because you are a shiny actor right. in Actorland. Right. And you kind of are saying, well, no, this has to be right to fit into my lovely life that mm-hmm. is just the normal bits of where yeah. I'm at. How did you come to that conclusion? Well, I think for several, I mean, several ways I came to that conclusion. Number one, I think I have a perspective on my kids, which is that they're only little for a very finite like it's it's so short yeah. you know you already feel that right like when you turn around and they're all of a sudden like they don't need you to walk them into uh, kindergarten or that you know they won't all of kiss the, you in they public they won't kiss you in public or you know the first yeah. time my daughter like literally looked at me and she was like I hate you oh no I can't hear that it's and too traumatic the, it, yeah. it happens so yeah. fast oh, I've had and it. so yeah. 
so the idea that I would spend half of my year away from them working in another city and coming home on weekends is just an undue stress to put on their childhood, which is already in so many ways because I work in this industry stressful for them, you know, and like kids need structure and they need to and they need to know certain things are constant and in order to feel secure. And I just felt like you know, Birdie was a kid who already had anxiety about stuff and was already a lot of kids now now do, you know, and I just wanted to mitigate that with the work piece and just say, well, I'm not going to leave unless you all can come with me. It's the summertime or, you know, it's a really quick trip. Mm-hmm. I mean, I fly to New York a lot for work now, but just for, you know, a day. And I'll make it like I kill myself. I mean, I was talking about this with my husband. Like, I kill myself. Like, I'm flying from here to New York. I have to work on GMA Wednesday morning. So I'll have to wake up at like 5 a.m. or whatever in New York, do GMA, and then I'm flying right. And then I have to do a day of press. And then I'm taking the late flight back to LA. And then I'm the mom on, like, volunteer mom on the field trip for my daughter on Thursday to the science museum you know in los angeles you're trying to do it oh i relate it's like yeah it's crazy oh my god this book i just started reading you have to get it i wonder Mm -hmm. if it's out here yet it's called why we don't why why we don't sleep at night oh god i really need that wait me and producer matt just had a half an hour talk about sleep deprivation and insomnia anything to do with sleep it's crazy well i have like i have just why we can't sleep women's new midlife crisis by ada calhoun yeah that's me yeah that's the I'm, book for me. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Because I think that our generation, too, like, we're both young Gen Xs, but I relate more to Gen X than I do millennials. Yeah. And I feel like we're just that caught generation of being expected by our parents' generation to do better than they did. And as women, like, they're like, well, we cleared the way. Like, the world is your oyster. You have to do it. Mm. Except, like, society and culturally, it didn't really shift. So gender roles in the home were still exactly the same. So you're like, wait, I'm working 14 hours a day and I'm making all of this money and still putting the kids to bed at night and still doing all of the labor, domestic labor in the home. and. Like, where's my nanny? Two things coincided for... <laughs> exactly. Two things coincided for women in in uh, in our age bracket and probably a little bit above and definitely below where, yes, we've got these new opportunities where, and, and rightly so, that we can go and do whatever career we might want to do or, you know, be the CEO of a company or go and try anything. But weirdly, at the same time, on the other sort of side of the parallel, there's... There's this pressure that parents, especially mums, now have to do everything with their children, everything, which my parents yeah. did not play Nothing. with me ever. No. I'm not saying that in a judgmental, awful way. Like, it just wasn't the done thing. They never sat and went, should we play Barbies? Whereas there I am with Sylvalian families going down slides and, you know, yeah. doing finger painting or whatever and enjoying it. But also, I'm stretched. Yeah. And it's so weird that those two things happened at the same time. Yeah. And we're trying to navigate that. We're the first generation really going, right, so I can be the boss, but I'm also the really, you know, engaged mom right. who's on the school trip as well. It feels like there's no there's no way to avoid feeling bad. You can't. <laughs> like that's Whatever the, you do, you feel guilty. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think that that's, I think that a lot of that has to do with like the pressure and expectation that was put on us by 
like the previous generation and especially as women, just that they wanted us to do all of the things that they didn't feel were available to them. Mm. And we wanted we wanted that too. We believed like that that's right. Yeah, we should be the COOs. Yeah. We should be the heads of companies. We should be making these moves and making these decisions. But then also we know that we want to do a little bit different in terms of parenting yeah. because what like that kind of parenting maybe didn't work for a lot of us. And maybe we've talked about it in therapy for 10 years or 15 years or whatever, you know? So, yeah. So I think it's like a very, I think we're just in a really tricky spot. But But I like that you talk about that publicly because I think people again will have that, there's that discord where people go, oh, well, if you're a big actor or whatever, that's all sorted and taken care of. But there's you on an emotional level saying no, like on a practical level, you know, yes, maybe you you do want to have a nanny or some other mm-hmm. help, or whatever, and that's wonderful and a privilege. But on an emotional right. level, that is still a very hard thing to try and yeah. deal with. And that that like you know hashtag first world problems. It's like yeah, no kidding. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously, we're, aware it's, we're all we're all aware. Yeah. Like I'm aware that the world is burning. Like yeah, I'm aware yeah, yeah. of all of the other yeah. stuff. And then there's like the micro issues of how we get through the day and our own mental health and mm. how overwhelmed we feel and what support we have. You know, I think it's, yeah, I think it's important. That is, to me, where, like, social media is wonderful for many reasons. One of them is making friends. And, the, uh, you know, and another is that we're able to sort of just feel less alone when we're really able to connect and share yeah, with people. Yeah, it's important. It's yeah. really important. I think so, too. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, Your book was just sublime. I read it so quickly you're so nice no it's brilliant because again it is honest this book is true um i wonder how you felt sitting down making that decision that you were going to write a book that you know you you're you're telling your story yeah. and rightly so but you're not hiding bits of it or masking parts you you for you it felt really right to just say what you'd experienced how was that i mean it's it was a choice that came at a time where I sort of had kind of zero fucks left to give. Yeah. Can I say that? Like, yeah, you know, I just was like, uh, the election, Donald Trump had won. I was like, what is this world? Oh, they don't. Oh, oh, this world that I live in, this country, they actually don't value my experience at all. Like, my experience means nothing to them. And, uh, and I wanted to just, I just wanted to be done with it. I just wanted it all out there. I wanted to not hold on to these things anymore that I had like allowed myself to feel shame or have kept secret for so long. And I was excited about the opportunity to be able to do it in a book as opposed to, you know, like, I think that there is a thing, I mean, even though like I basically started a viral hashtag moment thing with my abortion in the U.S. last year, talking about it because of the extreme abortion bills. Um, but I think there there does tend to be this 
this thing where people feel pressured to like, how do you um, explain your trauma in 140 characters or less? Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't, I can't do that. Like, I, I don't know how to, mm. I need more than that. I need to explain my, the complexity of my feelings about all of these things and how I got through it. And then in terms of Hollywood and, oh, this kind of goes back to your question of how I made the decision that conditions must be perfect. You know, the business is the business and it's always been, you know, incredibly misogynistic and not friendly toward women and people of color. And the entertainment industry has like a long, long way to go still, Mm. you know? So in terms of like some of the the names that I like, you know, I just use the names of the people for the stories. I mean, (laughs) you know, Frank is like, honestly, like the craziest thing is I don't, I don't, I know he had his own, um, like me too stuff accusations in, um, in the United States when that was happening. But I, like, I didn't have that experience with him. I just, he was just a dick to me, but, yeah. um, and horrible, but, um, but he's apologized as an adult yeah, yeah. and really apologized. And like, my husband sees him at spin class sometimes. So really? Like, yeah, it's like, fine. That is brilliant. <laughs> it's so LA. That's so LA. They just like, LA. they run into each other at spin class. <laughs> hey dude, so, so busy. Good. I said hi. Yeah. Oh, so I have like, genius. no, I have no issues with, I mean, yeah. he and I don't have any issues. He has, whatever you know his his journey is his own but that's um, what's so good about the book is you, you you flip between these moments that are still brutally honest and and saying it as it is you know james franco being mean on set and being a bit of a douchebag to things that are you know i'm sure took a lot of thought and care on your part thinking about what well, do i want to write about this and how do i write about it right the pregnancy that you just mentioned yeah um how old were you at the time 15. again so you, so you, you were young you were 15 and at this point, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you wrote something in the book, um, like at this point, you thought that for women, sex just happened to you. Yes. That was how you'd kind of grown up. I yes. think a lot of us did in that era. It wasn't talked about as much. No. There wasn't any information that was reachable. I didn't at that even tell age. my mom I got my period. Yeah, it was a, it was it was a funny suppressed time to talk yeah. about sex, and I think many of us ended up really unsure. And for you, that meant a boyfriend who really didn't kind of give any concern as to how this would affect you. And you ended up pregnant. Mm -hmm. And your mum seemed to be incredibly supportive. She was, yeah. Whereas his mum, not at all. No. And that was a very tricky situation for you to deal with. And that ended up with with you, well, instinctively, I'm sure, thinking I'm too young. This for me is abortion. Right. how did that inform how you then thought about relationships and sex afterwards? I mean, it's all been tricky. Yeah. I think, again, for our like our generation, I think because of all the things you said, I think we came of age, you know, when like the AIDS crisis was still at its yeah. height. Like I was always just positive I was going to con- like contract HIV, like mm. positive. My whole, you know, I was really scared of that. And... I feel like I had a lot of therapy to go through in mm. my twenties <laughs> to get through a lot of it. Yeah. You know, like it just was, there was a lot to unpack there. My early sexual experiences were traumatic mm. and in their own ways. And, uh, and I had to kind of just get, I had to get over it and I had to like move past it. And it still is a thing for me sometimes, you know, all I wish for my daughters and for their friends and my friend's sons is for all of them to be and I think they are like growing up in this different time where like 
discussions about consent and about sexuality and about, you know, all the different ways you can express yourself and be as a person and what pleasure is and what feels good to you is different than what feels good to someone else. And it's, you know, it's just... Those are the things that totally we were we were not we involved in those that. conversations. Yeah, I know. And I, I might be making a wild assumption, but <clears throat> reading the book, I I really related to the dynamic that you had with your boyfriends early on when you were a teenager. And I I think for me that went on into my twenties. That I always felt lesser than they were probably right, and I was kind of lucky to be with them. Right. And it only dawned on me later down the line, probably my late twenties, before I met my husband, that I deserved a little bit more than that dynamic being so imbalanced. Would you say that was the case for you? I think I was just always yeah, I was always searching for someone to just like adore me. Yeah. You know, and I would pick people who took advantage of that. Mm. Yeah, same. And exploited that. And yeah. were not interested really in what I was or what I was or who I was. Mm. And yeah, because like even my boyfriend when I was in my early 20s, um, the one who like told me I laughed too loud and, you know, would always like, oh, just, do you have to have everybody looking at you? Why are you? What is this, that funny? I was like, that's just the way I laugh. Mm. You know, I, oh, but you're right. You're right. That my laugh is stupid. You mm. know, and then that your internal thing starts spinning. I had out. one of those. I had one that wouldn't let me open his car door because I wore too much, too many rings. They right. might scratch paintwork. Right. You might, you might scratch it. I mean, that's that was an interesting one. Um, it's insane what we put up with. I know. Like, for what? For what? And I wouldn't now. I'd be like, fuck you. I'm opening your car door I with know. a thousand rings on. I don't care. It's bizarre. But but again, I, I, I love that you were willing to go there and say, you know, this is where I've been. This is what I've been through. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder what the reaction has been like and, and if it's as you would imagine. You know, were you nervous as to what the reaction might be to the book and, and how your stories would be perceived? Yeah, I mean, I was, yeah, I was really nervous and stressed out. Just because I'd never written a book before, I really wanted it to be considered more than just some celebrity's memoir. Yeah. You know, I wanted I wanted it to be relatable to everyone. You know, I wanted women that I didn't know to see themselves and mm. recognize things. And, and also, I, you know, was... I was wary of it be... Of, of really seminal, important moments in my life being turned into clickbait. Yes. And it's a huge worry. Yeah. In any interview even that yeah. you give, that that's going to become something. I almost always think of it, like just now when we were doing this, I was like, oh, the Daily Mail is going to put James Franco and Busy Phillips' husband and go to spin class together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I I just already know what <laughs> I it know. is. I know. And, and... Because I'm really, like, I think as a poet, I think that that's, I actually have been thinking a lot about this, and I think that that's one of the things that separates, like, people when they talk about Instagrams of celebrities or public figures that are relatable and not. I think self-awareness is such a huge piece of it. And I think that the ones that sort of feel um, like they, there's a distance between is are the people who are not very self-aware and aware of the world that they're operating in. And I feel like I've always been incredibly aware of the world around me and aware of my own participation in it. Mm. And so, yeah, so the clickbait thing was like my biggest concern, actually. Yeah, I bet. And and then I did, I was, I wasn't concerned. 
you know, you they there's lawyers and you change identifying characteristics and things of the people from high school. And um, so I wasn't concerned really about that because also I, everything that I was saying was true. So, mm. you know, come at me. Busy, could you tell me the story about your school trip to Europe? That was one of the hardest things for me to share. It was a story that, like, I mean, it was a part of the story that, like, a lot of close friends of mine as an adult I never had told because... Well, because it was just so sort of sacred to Mm. me. I mean, like, no pun intended. Um, (laughs) But it was just... It was... I don't know. Like, it was just... It felt so... Special. And so I had talked, my husband and I had talked about my reticence to even put that ending in the book. But when I wrote the chapter and the way that I, I don't know how you write, but like the way I write is like fits and starts. Like I'm either all on or I'm just on Instagram and Twitter, <laughs> like mm-hmm. for for 12 hours. I snack you know? a lot when I'm writing. There's snacking, there's writing, yeah. there's more snacking, there's writing. It's yeah. not thorough. Yeah. And I'm not one of those people that like, subscribe to the belief that I would just have to sit down and just write. Yeah. I had to like, it had to move me, you know, but when it did, sometimes I would just go and write, yeah. you know, a whole 40 pages or whatever, a whole chapter. And that was how the story where I got pregnant when I was 15 and ended up having the abortion. And then, and basically, so you know, my I come from a Catholic family. We all both sides, both sides, double Catholic, mm. and um, and I was really into it when I was a little girl. I wanted to be an altar boy. I was very dismayed when I was told I couldn't be because right. I was not a boy. Um, my, my first feeling of gender inequity, yeah, exactly. Um, and and I, but I really did, you know, in my. My grandmother, we were just like a lot of Catholics, you know, yeah. and and Catholics are, you know, like it's a very specific thing and guilt and family unit and feelings about abortion. I mean, and, and historically speaking, Catholics were always the ones that were anti-abortion. I mean, truly, you can look in the history of the American anti-abortion movement and the evangelicals that got involved and Jerry Falwell, and really it had nothing to do with Abortion. They all, they always thought that was like a Catholic thing. Like the Christians, the, I just read this article, which is why I know all this information. <laughs> but um, the, but like the evangelical Christians were sort of like, eh, we don't really care. They didn't, and and then it became they saw an opportunity, like a political opportunity, and so then they glommed onto yeah. it. In yeah, the, like mid seventies, and then in the eighties, which is wild. Like when you think mm. about that, but people are really. Anyway, so, um, yeah, but Catholics, wow. So, uh, so my mother was incredibly supportive, even though I think that meant for her that she had to put aside, you know, her own Catholic schooling since she was in kindergarten and her, maybe her, maybe even her own beliefs. Like, I, you know, we never fully talked about that part of it. Mm. Um, but she just was determined that my life was not going to be derailed by one horrible kid. Mm. And um, not the kid in, not the one that I was pregnant with. <laughs> the, not the fetus. No, no, no. <laughs> the boy that got the me knocked boy. Yeah. The boy. Yeah. Um, 
and like having your entire life tied yeah. to that person and I you know and I just and I want I didn't want to be 15 and I just didn't want to have the baby so um so I had the abortion my father had a really hard time with it he basically like kind of couldn't speak to me like couldn't really look at me for months and months and months I was I had emotionally it was like a wreck and I felt like just and my the the boyfriend's mother also was religious and sat me down and told me I was going to hell and that I had corrupted her son and that which for a 15 year old is a lot to take on from someone it was a lot because even in that moment where you know I was always the girl that I am and I was like well fuck you you know in my head I I know you know I went home and like sobbed and sobbed and sobbed like I yeah I felt that thing deeply and and I felt like in my core that that could be true. I could be going to hell. Maybe it is. Maybe it, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe maybe life begins at conception. What if I'm wrong? Fuck. You know, like I had all I went through all of that stuff. And so the summer was coming and that was also when I was due. I was due in June and my French class, my teacher had this like extracurricular tour of Europe, like three week student travel thing, you know, and they needed like 12, 12 kids to sign up or something to do it. And so my two friends and I convinced our parents to let us do this European trip. And I think my parents were just like, just get her out of the house, like yeah. just go cry somewhere else, cry in another country. And so we flew to Europe, we traveled around and it was like so insane the tour guide was like you know this is called the abc tour another bloody cathedral because everywhere because <laughs> every country every city we went to it was just like and That's we're so just many. going to the cathedral yeah, yeah, we're just yeah. going to the church and here's the church mm. and in every church i would go and i would light a candle and i would like sob and my sweet friend kate who still is like one of my i'm gonna cry because just thinking about how sweet she was to me she would just go and like, even though everybody else was like off eating like Bavarian pretzels or whatever, she would just like sit and wait for me to be done and then like take my hand and like go buy postcards. And, you know, she was so sweet. And we went to the Vatican, obviously, when we went to Rome. And the day we got there, there was extra security and <laughs> such an insane story. And, uh, we almost didn't. I almost got rejected because I was wearing these cream overalls that I had borrowed from my friend Emily. Yeah, no, you're, no overalls. You're not. Oh, we call them dungarees over here. No dungarees allowed in the Vatican. Well, no one told no who fifteen-year-old me. Yeah, and I was like, but these are nice. Yeah, these are really cool dungarees. Yeah, and our tour guide talked to the guard, and the guard basically said, if she can get like a pullover, then we'll let her in. And so I got someone gave me a sweater from the tour. I think it was one of the old people on the tour because they accidentally, this this student travel group, accidentally booked two high schools and then like a senior citizen and alumni association from a college on the same tour bus. It's adorable. It was kind of wild. Yeah, it was <laughs> wild. So yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was a crazy trip. So, and then I went in and it happened, the Pope, Pope John Paul happened to be there that day and he was giving some sort of speech and... I was like, couldn't believe it. I was like more excited about just like, how crazy is this? You get to see the Pope. It was packed. I grabbed Kate. We ran around to the sort of like right wing 
of the church and we were just pushing and pushing and then at a certain point I lost her and I was I had my little disposable camera um and I was I wanted to get a picture for my grandma and so I just kept pushing up and then there was just this confluence of circumstances in which like I got shoved really hard from behind someone stepped out of the way a woman was like you need this more than me. Like, I, it was, like, the craziest thing. And I sort of, like, flew forward and uh, almost fell down. And the uh, a guard, uh, the security guard, caught me and pulled me up. And when he did, I was face-to-face with Pope John Paul. I get goosebumps you saying it. And I've already read the it stories. It was really weird. It was really crazy. And he said... Uh, as Deutsches. I had my hair in braids, in blonde. I had my hair in two braids. And I said, no, no. And he was like, oh, American, American. And then he, um, like, took my cheeks in his hands and he, like, said something, like, very, you know, like a prayer or something. And then, like, looked at me and then, like, walk- and, like, walked and, like, walked away. And that was it. And I was the only person that he, like, stopped and talked to or did anything or whatever, touched. And then all of these, like, Ital- Italian women and people, everybody descended on me and were kissing my forehead and pulling my hair. And It's insane. It was crazy. I mean, it-, it was crazy. And I, um, okay, now I'm really going to cry. And so then I went back and I was like, oh, we have to call. I have to call my parents. I have to call my parents and tell my parents. And... I was like, what's the date? What day is it? Because, you know, we've been on this, like, tour for over two weeks or something at this point. And it was it was my due date. It was I the mean... date that they had given me when I went for uh, to Planned Parenthood. Like, it could not have been clearer if... I mean, it was insane. But you know what? I... We just need more stories like that. That was crazy. <laughs> because stuff like that can happen. And I, it was for me like the best moment of your book because you'd been so honest on this beautiful stuff. But then it's like, as well as you bearing your soul and saying, you know, I've been to these dark places and this has happened. Also to go, but then these are miraculous, yeah. beautiful things can align. Yeah. It is possible. And we don't hear these stories. We, 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 we hear the news and it's doom and gloom and we look on our phones and it's terrifying and everything is fear-mongering. But there are these beautiful stories out yeah. there. And the way that you, you told the story just then, but also in the book, it's so moving. It's better in the book, guys. It's, Read the book. It's so good in the book. <laughs> I was crying my eyes. Oh, and my husband you. was like, what is wrong with you? I was like, I just this is a really emotional <laughs> bit of the book. I also think just that chapter is very long because I really wanted to go into all of it and what I was feeling and what that year was for me and like coming off the year before it and just it was just so important to me that you had like a full scope of where I was at in order to understand like the magic of the ending yeah. of that part. Well you want to invest in what you'd been through right. and, and and the people around you and how that had affected you and, and you did that so perfectly and it oh it was just the best moment. I loved oh, it. It was you. so so beautiful. Okay, a couple of things that I will quickly quickly ask you yes. is okay, what is really important on this page? Um 
This is so nice. Thank you for having me. I wish me. we could sit here for years. I it's could, like, it's too quick. Tea. I don't like how quick it is. I don't know when I'm supposed to eat again. I don't know what. No, happening. don't worry about that. You're in a limbo time zone. We, we must not worry about that. Okay, so one thing I think that would really help a lot of people that I certainly always like to try and get from when I'm talking to people or reading books or listening to other podcasts is... When you've been knocked and when you've had stuff happen to you, like there's another story, we don't have time for it. You've got to read the book, you've got to get the book, The Blades of Glory story, yeah, which oh I boy. was so angry about. I know, me too. Uh, I was so, <laughs> and I'm going to just leave you with that, listeners, because it, you, you have to read it. I was so angry um, because of the injustice that you mm-hmm. dealt with there. When you've been knocked in any of the ways that you talk about in your book, emotionally, professionally, whatever, how do you or how have you picked yourself back up again to be where you're you're at now which Mm -hmm. is uh, you know a mum still putting yourself out there in a vulnerable way in an honest way and saying no to things and saying the conditions need to be correct how have you got to that place of confidence yeah I mean that was hard that was that one in particular was a really hard one to recover from because it was personal and professional yes and that was that's the worst that's the worst when you have when you deal with someone that you like when it's a friend it's terrible when it's someone you love and have spent years with it's like it was untenable it was truly devastating and it took me a long time to get over it really really a long time and I think that my resilience or my like drive to keep going is that I do think that there's a certain I don't know benefit to wanting to prove people wrong like wanting it wanting the revenge part of it, you know, in those darkest moments, that revenge is not sustainable. Like you can't, that that can't always be your driving. I guess it's an impetus for you to then find the reason. Exactly. Because I think that a lot of times, because if that is your only motivation, it won't work. Yeah. You'll, it'll be false. But if it, if it's the thing that in the days when you're on the kitchen floor and you literally can't get up, the thing that gets you up off the kitchen floor is like, well, I'm going to fucking show them. Yeah. Then let it be that. Yeah, you know? I'm fine with that. Yeah. And then you'll find the other, the sparkle, like, come from somewhere else, hopefully, you know? I think that's very practical and sensible advice because usually we are told, you know, don't feel revenge or anger. I get really angry about yeah. stuff. And sometimes it drive, it's a driving force that actually allows me to do some good. Yeah. So I think it's really great advice to do that. Yeah. And I think that the, also the, and the flip side is too, like you can't live your whole life wanting to have revenge or prove people. No. Because that it really will not, people smell it on you and it's like mm. not a good look. It's like not they don't for like you it. either. Yeah, it's, it's not healthy. Not nice for your insides to have yeah. that constantly that toxicity floating around but i think like you say if it's a push in the right direction yeah i'm not i'm not opposed to it yeah. i'll still always let that like be a little bit of the fire sometimes mm. you know nothing wrong with a bit of fire yes and i think like as women we we're taught to not i don't know to to like shy away from mm. that and to and that that's not a quality that's desirable or yeah. something for a woman well, who to have. Cares? I don't. I don't care. I don't. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't done us any. Listen, by no. the way, the old rules did not service us. Exactly. In most industries. Yeah. So let's make our let's make new ones. Here, here. <laughs> um, Busy, I really hope that this is the start of us continuing to chat and to hopefully too. meet again at some point. You come to LA it's, ever? Well, I used to 
kind of half live out there. Wait, what show did you do? My husband was like, I used to watch her on something. Mm, I did a, an NBC show called oh. Last Comic Standing. That's right. No, we used to, Mark, when Mark and I started dating, we watched you. What? Yes. How, it was, how many years ago was that? That was a long time ago. 10 years Yeah. Ago. In my head, nobody saw it. Wait, maybe it, it just was, happened. Well. How funny. Yeah, we watched it. So, okay, maybe we hadn't just started dating. We had just had Birdie. So that also tracks. How funny. Yes. We would watch that show all the time because he's like, I know Ferncon. That's I know, so she's, bizarre I know to me. That you, oh my god! He has gosh. the best memory for stuff like that. Like he can place yes, actors Mark. and performers. Wow! Like, with to like, oh, he's always right. But wow! Yeah, I loved Last Comic Standing. It was fun. What it year? Fun. Years were you on? Who won? Um, Eliza Eliza Schlesinger Schlesinger Eliza Schlesinger Eliza won it she was great she's amazing and I'm still in contact with a couple of the comedians I mean it was such an amazing time and I was doing a, I did another NBC show out there and I was like do I stay out here and try and make this but I am a homebody essentially so I just thought I need to be back in the UK and be in my base. But I, it was wonderful, and I and I absolutely loved it. Um, but yeah, that's another lifetime ago. I mean, how weird. But we will come back out. We will, and we will meet up, and I will see you. You have to, like, the kids have to be... That jet lag is no joke. Going from this... It's hell. Going from here, there is it's a hell. bummer. We did it once when my eldest, Rex, was about, I mean, 10 weeks old. My father-in-law was touring the States, and we did a bit of the California leg of the tour. And... I was just sort of drunk with tiredness for three weeks and then went home. But it was still worth it, so I know I need to do it again. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, Busy, thank yes. you so much. We will see each other again. Yes. And thank you so much thank for your time. You. Oh, it was such it was my pleasure. Thank you for everything. Oh, thank you, Busy. What an amazing force of nature she is. I really hope that I get to see her again soon. We've kind of become pen pals on Instagram, direct message now, and I would love to bump into her again or at least continue this brilliant conversation we've started. If you enjoyed that chat, you should check out my interview with Jonathan Van Ness. Find that when you subscribe for free on your podcast app of choice. And to find out who's on next week's show, find us on Instagram at Happy Place Official. Thanks again to Busy, to the producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and to you lot for listening. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed it. Stay safe. I'll see you soon.